Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Just Laurent. It is Monday, October 17th. In this episode, we review the Premier League week that was, well, not really, and check in on the Nuevo Classical Liverpool winning again. And, well, not so much else uh, because it ruined my soul. But first, I will take you through the scores as I saw them. Okay, here we go. Scores for everyone. On Friday, our beloved Brentford beat our beloved Brighton 2-1. Uh, this was an Ivan Tony game. Good stuff from him. He scored on an amazing flick, and then I think he scored a penalty, but I'd have to double-check. Then, the snooze press on early Saturday morning. Jesus Christ. Leicester, nil. Crystal Palace, nil. Uh, I need Crystal Palace to be better, but it's not a loss. You know, Crystal Palace could have pulled this out. Leicester could have pulled this out. Blah, blah, fucking blah. Then, the first good game of the day, and probably the only really good game of the weekend, uh, on Saturday at least, Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2, Gary O'Brien undefeated. Fulham could have won this game, should have won this game, but the 2-2 does it justice. That was the best game of the day. Uh, Yeah, Gary O'Neill, sorry. I'm calling him Gary O'Brien. I'm calling him this. I'm calling him that. Uh, Mitrovic came back, but he was not good and did not have as much of his normal oomph and bounce that you'd like, but Bournemouth. I don't think they're going down now. Okay, then Wolves defeat Nottingham Forest. God, this game was also terrible. Wolves are terrible. They get a handball that allows them to score by uh, Nieves on a penalty. Forest score a goal. That's the big news of the game. And for and Nottingham, I mean Wolves score a goal, and Nottingham Forest are just terrible. Then Tottenham win at home against Everton. 2-0, ho-hum, Harry Kane dispatches a penalty, and then Hoiberg almost fucks it up, an easy shot at the end, but he finishes it. And Conte keeps his team ticking over, keeps the team moving. The secret to this game was Richarlison getting hurt and Basuma coming on, and that 5-3-2, that a little bit different, or 3-5-2, a little bit different than the 3-4-3 that Spurs normally play, I love Basuma. We love Basuma. We've been talking about Basuma for years. Uh, but, you know, Spurs just keep winning. They're keeping pace. They're in the game. They're still doing their thing as they see fit. So they roll on, and uh, they're still not doing it pretty, but they're getting it done. Then, on to Sunday, we have Man United nil, Newcastle nil. This was not a good performance by... United, um, Cristiano was grumpy. He started, he came off at 70, and then for Rashford, and Rashford missed a header that you'd have thought Cristiano would have finished. So there's a little bit of trickiness there. Uh, Newcastle, you know, they're going to be happy going to this game and getting the nil-nil, and they stay where they are. Not anything to really write out about. I think uh, Joe Ellington hit the post. But I think without Ericsson, United didn't really play well. It was Fred Casemiro uh, in, in in the midfield. Mm, not so much. Then Chelsea beat Aston Villa 2-0. This is a Mason Mount game. You know, my friend Karthik Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk had always been talking about Mason Mount. I talked to him about it the week before. Chelsea and Mason Mount really get this done. They grind it out. Aston Villa, 
I think Gerard's going to get himself fired if he can't get another result. He may not last this week, for all we know. But Graham Potter now has, I think, five clean sheets in all competitions, and he's got Chelsea playing defense again. Again, this is very similar to the Tuchel time when, um, you know, when Tuchel came in, all of a sudden Chelsea started playing defense again. A lot of changes at halftime in this game to try and get the result or to try and see off the whole thing. But, you know, that's Potter's way. He's still working through the team to try and figure out who his best players are. Uh, I like what Potter's doing. He's not losing. He's moving things forward. He's doing what he's supposed to do as a top-notch manager, getting the team organized, moving them forward, and West and Chelsea keep pace. Uh, West Ham, after their Thursday-Sunday travails, they get a 1-1 draw versus Southampton. Sure, West Hampton... West Ham should not be getting 1-1s against this one. Declan Rice with probably the goal of the week in this one, pulled in from the, the corner of the 18-yard box, slotted at home, really nice stuff. And and to be fair to West Ham, they did come back from a paroled goal that was started early. But, you know, West Ham are still plodding along, and Hassan Hoodle is still there. He gets his draw. He's he's. I think they've slipped into the bottom three and will go into the, uh, the table before things all kick off. Then we have Arsenal 1-0 over Leeds. Leeds dominated Arsenal in this game. Arsenal really had no right to win this game. This was a VAR game where goals were chalked off that were given. Things happened over and over again. There was a a red card and a send-off at the end of the game. But VAR ended up getting things right in this one. So this was a game for VAR. Uh, It still sucked. I hate VAR. Bakari Sako's first half goal stands up and Arsenal grind this one out. They get one where they shouldn't have won. Leeds were really good. Marsh was really good in this one. Tyler Adams was everywhere in this. So America looking good in this one. And it looks like when uh, Leeds have their guys, they played the four defensive defensive players at at the back. Uh, When Leeds have their guys and Aronson was great and Rodrigo, you know, this was a good Good performance by Leeds, and they're going to really feel bad about not getting anything. Banford missed a penalty uh, in the er- middle of the second half, uh, which was a shame. But, you know, they get lucky. They get it done. Uh, we have to talk eventually about Patrick Banford's hair, but not today. It's really out of control. And then when Rob Holding was on the pitch at the same time, there was wigs versus hair. It was nuts. But uh, Arsenal get the win, and they stay have the – Best start to a Premier League season ever. Not just theirs, any team ever. They are, they have 18. Sorry, they have 27 out of a, you know what? I can't do math right now. Nine times three. They have 27 out of a potential 30 points. Not bad by the Arsenal. So they're hanging in there. They're doing well. And then, of course, the final game of the day and where we'll get into the deeper analysis. Liverpool won Manchester City nil. Have I discussed how much I fucking hate this game? How much I hate Liverpool? How much I hate Anfield? Not real hate, sports hate. But then the fucking narrative shift. The goddamn plucky Liverpool bullshit. Um, You know, we have the WhatsApp group. Uh, Let me know if you want it. Um be in it. I had to close it down because we got a lot of 
sex and crypto uh, usually go together, sex and crypto. Uh, but I was talking to Manny, my my buddy with John. We talked throughout the whole game just about what was going on, where things were with the lineups. Cities couldn't really be deciphered. The right players were on the pitch, but they were all in different places or moving around. Who the fuck knows uh, with Pep? He's always moving players around. The official formation for City was a 3-4-3 with um, Cancelo and Foden as, as, as wide wingbacks. It was weird uh, because De Bruyne wasn't really getting on the ball much on the first half and and Silva was everywhere and Akanji played at the in the back with Diaz and Ake but it moved around so much it was so fluid it was really all over the place the big change for for Liverpool was they played in a in a 4-2-3-1 and that really put Mo Salah in the box as a striker and you really got Diogo Jota and I thought Harvey Elliott especially first half one of the players of the match for Liverpool, you know, just really making things happen. Uh, First half was relatively City's half. I think, you know, again, City early on getting three shots, one saved from Gundogan, Uh, Liverpool, Jota getting getting a shot saved on a header, which was dangerous at the time. Uh, Erling Holland had a couple of really good attempted shots saved that I thought Allison did a really good job on, especially the lob on 33 where he where Allison came out and tried to really sort it out and get it done. And then it was another header saved uh, from Holland. So Holland was in the game and played well. Lots of good things happened. Uh, then I don't know the exact moment because I'm looking at a, a log here. But in the second half, Foden scores on a Holland move where there's some collision with the keeper it may have been overturned anyway, but there was a foul in the buildup, uh, a pushover of, of Fabinho and city scored. And the game had been refereed loosely. There was a lot of going on. There was a lot of fouls. Uh, Bernardo, like I said, was everywhere. Uh, I thought James Milner was fantastic. Man of the match for Liverpool. Joe Gomez was fantastic. Everything seemed to work. It, 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 it had the feeling of these Liverpool games that City have played, especially at Anfield. I mean, it was intense. It was breathless. The first half flew by. I couldn't remember any of it. Uh, but I felt good about where City were. My initial real takeaways from it were, where the fuck is Kevin De Bruyne? Why isn't he on the ball more? And, you know, the City, the Citerati in the socials, really complained about the formation. I had less to think about it. I liked how much Foden was getting on the ball. I liked the way Bernardo Silva was free to kind of bounce around. Uh, Gundogan and, and, and Rodri were really doing well, controlling the midfield and doing stuff. It just was. It just seemed that De Bruyne wasn't getting on the ball enough because he wasn't deep enough. So this sort of change and this 3-5-2, three, 3 at the back. City are so fluid, you can't really tell. All I could feel watching it was that De Bruyne wasn't where he was supposed to be. And the other thing that I could feel was that Gomez and Milner were really doing a good job on the Foden side of the field. And everyone was working hard. I mean, I can't really fault or kill any one player for this thing not working or things not changing or things not going well 
or whatever. Um, we do get the classic complaints about Pep, overthinking, underthinking, not changing it. City only made one change, and that was late. Gundogan came off for Alvarez. But I, I kind of understood it. Um, I kind of understood it because I don't I think Pep sees the team as a whole unit and all the parts together. And I think he was afraid and he thought the team was playing well enough. And they were. They were playing well enough such that if he changed one thing, how much would it change everything else? Um, and I think he liked in the past when he could bring Foden on. But now that Foden has stepped forward, he's less trustful so far of of Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish as guys to come on. I think, you know, Grealish at Anfield, it, the game didn't feel like it called for Grealish. I mean, he doesn't have the, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't feel like City were not playing well. I just thought that Liverpool were really good and they were back to their best. They were back to the Liverpool that we've been thinking of. Uh, I think in the chat, I talked with, with Manny, and it's just that Liverpool are such a team that play on their own emotion. And what had been keeping them down and what their problems had been, had been emotion. So they play at such a heightened level that that focus that's needed at that level brings the whole thing together. All the spaces that had been problematic, all the mismovement, all the, the lack of sort of lackadaisical leadership by Van Dyke. I could see Van Dyke pointing around. All that stuff went out the window. And Liverpool were cohesive. Their spaces were good. They were dangerous. They were in City's face. Uh, you know, they, they played really well. And so did City, to be fair. I mean, this still is the best game in the world. I didn't watch the the Classico uh, in, in, with Ray Alvarez, Barca. But Barca just aren't there mentally. And they lost 3-1 at the, at the Bernabeu. Uh, on a day that that Benzema today actually won the Ballon d'Or. So live, right now, you know, that game is not the biggest game in the world. It's definitely not the German Klassiker because Bayern Munich are not the best. It's not Liverpool versus Manchester United because United aren't at their best. It's not Chelsea versus Tottenham. It's not Arsenal versus Tottenham because those two teams clearly are not as good as these two teams. So I think we can, we can reasonably say that this game, Liverpool versus Manchester City, is the best game in the world. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Has the two best coaches and the best team together. Maybe not the best collection of talent, maybe not all the superstars, but the team there. And then um, uh, as much as I've been avoiding the goal, um, Mo Salah, he had, he had come through on his own once uh, and fluffed it, or, 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 or um, Ederson saved one, which is unusual. Ederson usually doesn't save one, but he was good in this one. Like I said, everyone was good. Allison was good. And then uh, he scored one. City on a free kick. Gets to Allison. He boots it. And Cancelo makes a mistake. He, he's, he's the only one in the back. He's got a hold of, of Salah. And he doesn't drop off. He tries to jump in and play the ball. And, and Salah rolls him. And he's in on his own, and he beats Ederson for the only goal of the game. Uh, Allison got the assist, so that's goalie assist, which is always fun. Uh, I thought the changes that Liverpool made actually affected the game in the last 15 minutes. I thought that the um, the the called-off goal was actually the turning point. It really lifted Anfield. 
and City, and I think within a few minutes after that, uh, um, Liverpool had shots on goal. Like the 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 chalking off of a goal, it might have been on fifty, I, and I don't remember. The chalking off of a goal really did put City on the back foot, and you can see it in the last fifteen minutes. Liverpool were really taking it to City after they made their changes. Nunez was really good. Uh, came on, sorry, Nunez came on with energy and made lots of mistakes. I think he had a three-on-one and tried to take a shot. And then he took another shot when he should have passed it to Salah. So he was in the game. I thought Carvalho came on and did well. For City, like I said, the group was strong. Uh, I feel like Diaz and and Ake and uh, Akanji were good. The goal was given up because, because Cancelo was there at the back on his own. And like I said, you know, I fucking hate Anfield. It's it's a cheat. Uh, the fans fucking feel every pain. They kick every ball. They they cheered like they were an underdog. They were cheering for throw-ins. They were cheering for corners. They were cheering for tackles. Um, the referee playing it loose allowed for Anfield to be more in the game. So in some sense, we want the games to be refed without fouls and letting and without diving and all that stuff so that the game has more flow. But in the case of Anfield, strong tackles, especially Harvey Elliott, really were an advantage for Liverpool. Um, and then the other way, you know, any tackle that City made, you know, he felt like he had to call the other way. So the home field made a huge difference. And by God, I wish that fucking cesspool done of poverty and decrepity and fucking Anfield. I fucking hate it. Uh, City are now 0 for their last 20. They have not got a win at Anfield since the fucking War of 1812. I don't know when it was. Um, and it's just painful. And it this the fucking narrative shift to Liverpool and them being back. And I just got so goddamn annoyed. And I've been annoyed all goddamn day with this sort of shifty... Oh, Liverpool, and now Arsenal have a chance. And again, the narrative is just against against Manchester City. We're not a fucking cute story. We're not, you know, legendary. We're not, we're, we don't have European nights. We don't have our stadium. We just have this robotic foil for these historic clubs. And we have to suffer and take every fucking hit in the face and hear about our oil money and hear about this or that or how this is noble and that's noble and plucky fucking Liverpool and their and their dead fans and and oh they shouted and there was a complaint lodged against city fans meanwhile uh the city bus was attacked meanwhile Liverpool fans are are shouted for violence but you know poor old Liverpool and their their fucking dead fans from from Hillsborough get get another chance like I'm not condemning I don't want anyone hurt and it's sad what happened but to fucking just keep at it with this under, oh, poor Liverpool, oh, woe is me. Just shut the fuck up. You're the biggest club in the world. Yes, City have a lot of money. You're in the top five, okay? Talk to me when you're Blackburn. Talk to me when you're QPR. Talk to me when you're Leeds and you almost fucking disappear from the league. Talk to me when you're Burnley. Talk to me when you're Brighton, okay? You're not a small fucking club. You're Liverpool. Shut the fuck up. It's really fucking annoying, you know. My team comes and plays and tries to win, and everyone fucking cries like a bitch all the time. So I'm taking on my own personal uh, pain 
and applying it through this fucking sports land of fandom, but it's just exhausting and tiring and I've had enough. You know, this team city games mean a lot to me and I wish I could have tapped this emotion at the start. These games mean a lot to me. They matter. I couldn't, I didn't want to watch any of the fucking podcasts, so I don't really have a lot to say about the other games because it hurt. I didn't want to deal with football. And I didn't want to do this podcast. And I didn't want to have to talk about Mo Salah again and Anfield and and Klopp fist pumping and, and coins getting thrown. That's the other thing. Liverpool fans complaining about chance when their fans are throwing coins at Pep Guardiola. Real fucking classy. I just want these games to be wins. And I don't, and this doesn't give me hope for City in difficult situations because every time City loses or does something weird in one of these big games and it goes pear-shaped, it lets you know that there's another Madrid around the corner. There's another Lyon around the corner. There's another Lisbon against Chelsea around the corner where Pep just does a thing. And when it doesn't work, that becomes a narrative and you feel like he's fucked it again and he's overthought it and he's been winning all these games and doing all these things. But we decide this is the game we're playing fucking wingbacks. Not that I think that that's the reason City lost. It's just, why why do that? I don't understand the man. And I never will. So until City win the fucking Champions League and there's a big game or a game or we can win at Anfield, then this is just how it's going to feel. And um, it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. And I hate it. And the, the faster this game can go away, the better. Because it hurts. I definitely put too much into these games. Um, you know, you, you don't breathe for 45 minutes. Uh, I think Manny said, you know, these games are too much, right? You you feel the anxiety in the build-up to the game, and then you feel the feelings of the game. You know, all the all the calls, all the fuck-ups, all the players you hate who make mistakes, all the all the near misses, all the shots that are shanked all the fouls that aren't called, all the cards you're supposed to get, and then you win or lose, and you're just completely drained. Either drained like, oh, you're fucked and you're dead, or drained and you feel elated, but you just don't, you just can't go through it again. You just don't want to feel it again, and you want it to go away. So it is a lot to deal with, and I and I know it sounds absurd because it's fucking sports, and none of this matters. Uh, you know, but it's the least important, important thing in the world. And we got into tons of arguments on the WhatsApp group about this or that or history or who's owns whose decades and where things go and who's appropriate and who's not appropriate. We had we had Klopp talking about, you know, a sovereign wealth funds and how Liverpool, poor Liverpool can't can't keep up. But he never mentions the rest of the league, you know. He's at a top of a pyramid of 92 teams, and he's the 91st best one in the league. So shut the fuck up, okay? Shut the fuck up. Um, so we go again. 
Um, City, you know, I, I sort of, I guess I got deep into the feelings I felt about the game. So that's where I was with that. Um, and that's what football's about. So I don't hate, I don't hate the people. I don't hate fans. I just hate these games. I hate losing. I hate the feeling of them. It's, uh, it's just these fucking games are brutal. And I just wanted to win one for fuck's goddamn sake. <sighs> anyway, that's 25 minutes on that game and scores. Let's look at the schedule. Uh, I'm going to really wrap it up probably pretty quickly uh, because I didn't really get deep into my normal cachet of watching the highlights of every game, watching match of the day, consuming all the podcasts. I just kind of, I'll go through the top four about what I know and what it means. Uh, we'll start with Arsenal at the top of the league. Like I said, they survive the Leeds game. Um, it was a crazy game. The game started a half hour late because VAR was not connected. <laughs> so that was very strange. They're sitting there at Ellen Road like, what the fuck's going on? No goal line to technology. There was like a power outage or something. It, so conspiracy theory heads, please go ahead. I'm sure even though Leeds are a local team, I'm sure the Leeds folks, the Yorkshire is just going, you fucking, you flash cockney fucks uh, <laughs> coming up from London and fucking them over. Leeds very famous for their passionate fans and violence. Um, but they get that game. And these are, to use cliches, these are games that champions win. Um, I think of, I think of Everton last season, the handball that wasn't called that City got. I think of, I think of the Leicester game at the company shot where City were toast. I think of Sterling late winner against Bournemouth in in 2017 in the Centurion season. I think of Gabriel Jesus against against Southampton to 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 be a Centurion. That game also mattered. I think of John Stones off the line. Uh, no, that that's more of a Liverpool game. But like shit games that you have to win that are really, really fucking difficult. And Arsenal will look back at that Leeds game, and then that'll be a game where they'll go, we lost that game, and um, someone let us win it. And so that was big for them, really big. And so they 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 continue on and and feel good about that. Could they win the league? They absolutely can win the league. Arsenal can win the league. They're in this, okay? They are in it. Uh, they need luck. They need, you know, it's only 10 games into the season. There's still 28 games to go. There's a post-World Cup feeling. There's there's injuries to deal with. There's crises. There's all sorts of things. What what happens to, to Arsenal after two draws in a row and two wins in a row for City? Like, if they're five points behind, can they handle it? Uh, history says no. History says no. But... They'll be there or thereabouts. Um, I can move on to Chelsea. Like I said, I gave a little bit more depth, in-depth description, but I think the bigger thing for Chelsea is that Potter is putting his imprint on the team. He's working through it. Um, he's got them playing more like Potter ball. They are making moves that are Indicative of a manager taking control. So we're not going to see Mendy anymore. I think Mike and I called this out the beginning of last season. One of the reasons that um, 
Chelsea looked like they were going to win the league was that Mendy was playing like a world-class keeper. And I think after those 10 games early in the season, last season, we discovered that indeed, no, Mendy was a flash in a pan and he kind of turned back into a pumpkin. And on the reverse of that, Kepa has turned into a $70 million keeper, which is what he was. Uh, I told you guys he looks bulkier. He looks in control. He looks more like a Potter keeper who can move the ball and, and things moving around and popping about. And so things are moving well for Chelsea. They're still playing a little bit funky. I like I like how much change is going on with, with Chelsea. They're, they're using all five subs every game. They're changing shape. Mount's coming in. You're seeing Broha come in every game. Um, and that's exciting, but I think, you know, we'll see, Chelsea probably won't get there yet because I, I don't think Aubameyang is good enough. Uh, and then I, I don't know that between all those front players, they're all kind of the same. They need something different. And I don't think that difference is there is in the side. Uh, you know, we, we know that Gallagher is different, but he's not much of a passer. He's much more of a traditional English midfielder. And I don't think Mount and he kind of work together because they're both workers and not passers. So they play with really good spirit. But that technical thing, what, what you really want is you want the technical skill of Jorginho with the engine of Gallagher. And right now that doesn't exist. And so if Conte, who's not coming back, never comes back, I feel like Chelsea are still a step behind. And then, you know, we... we the. Chelsea is Tottenham is hard to talk about because their performances are rough and they're boring and they're methodical and they only get into gear when they need to. They get their goal and they shut it down. It's very Conte. Uh, it's not as attacking. I think. I think I remember the Chelsea side and we remember Inter, where his teams were more attacking. I don't think that Conte trusts his defense to allow his creative players to play more. I think he knows that even though he's playing defensively, he knows his defenders should not be playing this way, so he's even more defensive. Rather than changing, he's doubling down, but then doubling down in a more defensive way. So he doesn't have the personnel to play out to be attacking with his system in defense, if that makes sense. So he's just much more conservative and, you know, they, they're winning easily. Uh, they were never under threat. Everton just posed nothing still. And there's just kind of, you know, it's kind of sad. Uh, I, again, I talked about this last time. Everton can either be defensive or attack. They can't do both at the same time. <laughs> They'll continue to be a team that plays on emotion, mostly. Emotion, mostly. And then lastly, I should probably give a little short shrift to Manchester United. I didn't catch a lot of this game, but I did catch the last few minutes. I think one of the things that took away the impetus from Newcastle was when Callum Wilson came off, uh, and they put on Chris Wood, there was no one to run in, in behind. So the last 15 minutes were really 
all united. I think uh, Callum Wilson had a shot off target in the 47th minute. Almiron on 79. And then the whole second half was all united. But they didn't threaten. I think, you know, um, uh, Newcastle are a strong defensive unit. And they don't really give up much. Especially when it's Cher, Botman, and Byrne with Trippier. That's a strong group. And Guimaraes is a star. Uh, for them. And this team is very solid defensively. You know, when you think about uh, Newcastle, they were really poor uh, defensively and you could really get at them. But the changes that um, that Eddie Howe made after the 70th minute, Wood on target, Willock for Gumarash and Lachelle's for Shar. Well, Lachelle's, that was late. That three-man change in the 70th minute really hurt uh, Newcastle and gave Gave um gave United a shot, uh, but no no Erickson really shows the difference. And the other thing is, Bruno Fernandez has just declined every year since he's arrived at United. He's not creating anything anymore. Uh, I mean, if if I go into sort of like his deeper stats, you know, that first half a season, he's goals plus assists at one point one four per 90 minutes. Then his big breakout season when he pulled, played the full season uh, in 21-22, the, the, the lockdown season, he's 0.87 goals and assists per game. The season after, he's 0.46. He's getting worse and worse and worse, creating less and less and less. Whether that's his frustration, whether that's him being exposed, he needs a new way to play, Ronaldo. I don't know what the reason is, but he's getting worse and worse in terms of creating things on offense for United. And I don't know what the reason is for that. He appears frustrated all the time. Um, and he just isn't really affecting games the way you want him to. Um, the other piece here is I'm looking at goal-created actions. He's just getting worse and worse every year in terms of rate. Started at 0.91 goal creation, then to 0.78. Then 0.28. He's not as bad this season, but just not creating enough right now. And um, he's an important player as a fulcrum for their offense. Maybe he needs one of those. Maybe he needs one of those penalties to go in again. In his early days, he was taking all the penalties and they were going in. Then he missed two last season, and he hasn't been on one since. So maybe that's a reason. I don't know. But they need him and Erickson, him or Erickson, someone. Maybe he needs a rest and Erickson can come in and really get him refreshed and playing. Maybe he's nervous about the World Cup. But I think right now you have to downgrade the creativity of, of United until uh, Fernandez finds his form because right now he doesn't have any. And he's just complaining and being frustrated. And, you know, they can't unlock Newcastle. That's not good enough. The other one is Jin Sancho also just complete no-showed the whole game. Just not doing anything. Uh, Anthony's still looking good. He didn't score a goal. That would have been his fourth and four. So United has still have work to do. I don't think they'll finish in the top four. Uh, I still think, you know, it's going to be, you know, City, Arsenal. City, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. I don't think Liverpool will make it. They're going to have a massive massive fight on our hands so let's go through the table just to tell everyone where we are 
Arsenal have a three-point lead. They're on 27 points. They have a three-point lead, a four-point lead over City. City and Tottenham tied on 23 with the exact same record. Then Chelsea rounds out the top four on 19. Three points behind them is Manchester United. And fifth in sixth, Newcastle on 15. Then Brighton alone in seventh on 14. Then three teams are tied on 13 points. Liverpool in eighth, Brentford in ninth, Bournemouth in 10th on 13. In 11th, it's Fulham with 12. Then West Ham in 12th. Everton and Crystal Palace tied at 10. Leeds in 15th. Aston Villa and Wolves all on 9, rounding out the above the relegation zone. And in the relegation zone is Southampton on 8, Leicester and Nottingham Forest on 5. Based on expected goal difference, Fulham, the only team in the relegation zone that appears to belong there is Nottingham Forest. Southampton will probably be there, but Bournemouth have been... Bournemouth on on, on on underlying numbers should be there, but they're not. They're getting very lucky. They've scored five more goals than they'd expect to give up. So they have been lucky, and that's why they're not in the relegation zone. So still to figure out who's going to go down. And it's not become clear yet. <clears throat> I still expect it to be Bournemouth, but crazier fucking things have happened. All right. I'm out of here. Oh, no, I'm not. We have games. We have games tomorrow and Wednesday. Holy shit. On Thursday, we'll talk about the results of these games. But coming up Tuesday, Brighton play Nottingham Forest at the Amex. And Crystal Palace host Wolves at Selhurst. Wednesday, Newcastle play Everton along with Bournemouth and Southampton. The South Coast Derby should be a good one. Brentford play Chelsea. Yikes. <laughs> Brentford play Chelsea. These are all night games. So Brentford at home versus Chelsea should be tough. West Ham, Liverpool. Liverpool have to show that they are the real deal. And they get a tough test in West Ham. We'll see where they are. Fulham on Thursday play Aston Villa. This is a winner go home. If Villa lose this game, I think Gerard gets fired. And then Leicester play Leeds also on Thursday. These are all night games, midweek, incredible stuff. The big one is Manchester United versus Tottenham at Old Trafford. This has draw written all over it. <laughs> because Tottenham's not going to give up shit <laughs> to, to United. And uh, Kane could... This is a game where I, I would hope Tottenham would try to attack, but they'll sit in and just play for the draw and hope United make a mistake. And that's possible. But United Spurs should be a good one. Tottenham usually have played quite well of late versus uh, United. I uh, have the history here. Um, the last game was 3-2. Oh, maybe not. Looks like United have won the last three. Af oh, they won the last three after the 6-1. Okay. I feel like the 6-1 was last week, but <laughs> that was a long time ago. United took the last two 
at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then, um, <clears throat> and they've been some barn burners. The last one being the three-two uh, against get for United at Old Trafford in March. So big game, big game, big game. Okay, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. I am part of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to the Chop Sports Network. Thank you to FanHub. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show. Uh, please share. Please, please share. This thing is hard to do, and I need everybody's help to sell me on doing a good job. Thank you.